0: You go for a particular reason, you go because the barista makes your coffee really well. You go because we know exactly how you like your panini toasted, how much cheese you like in it. And customers are still like that, right? They really they're still really keen for that. and that, to me, that's what drives me. That's what gives me the passion.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When we last caught up with Anthony Yokono. He shared the tale of moving from the corporate world into cafes and sharing his family heritage. He shared the realities of growing to eight stores and peeling back to just one. What does the modern cafe look like after the biggest upheaval the industry has faced? Anthony, how are you?
0: Very good, thanks Anthony. How are you
1: going? I'm good. Um, it's been a little while since we caught up and we had a ripping chat and delved into the, your family's history and your culinary escapades. How are things at the moment?
0: Uh, mate, things are not too bad. And firstly, thanks for having me back, mate. I really enjoyed the last chat and was looking forward to this one as well. Um, yes, so no, things are, things are okay. The industry's definitely changed a lot in the last couple of years you know, leading into COVID and then coming out of COVID. So, I think we've got some very interesting times ahead of us, probably the best way to put it.
1: I want to explore that. Like, if you think of sort of what the times were like before COVID and we talked about the impact of COVID, but what has changed? Like, if you think of your own business, do you have some examples of how things are different coming out of COVID?
0: Yeah, look, I think, mate, if you, if we just briefly recap, you know, COVID and, you know, the... You know, the local cafe during COVID actually did quite well. Um, we had lots of people working from home, and I'm talking about Bertoni, our cafe. But we had lots, you know, lots of our customers working from home, and th- the local cafe was really the the only place they could go out for a lot of the time. So we used to get you know customers visiting us once once to four or five times a day you know, from their, you know, morning coffees to their lunches and their take-home dinners. And um, I think we had a bit of a false economy because business was actually quite good. Um, you know, we ha- actually had quite a lot of business and and people had money to spend because they weren't really doing much else with it. Um, they weren't going overseas. They weren't allowed to go really anywhere. They weren't going to be any fancy restaurants because they weren't open. So we took a lot of the, the, the sort of, the, the the money that was available I suppose if you like um, and then we came we come out of COVID um, which was say say about twelve to eighteen months ago and it, the business was still very strong um, customers still had money they had a bit of a, a nest egg that had built up over the last couple of years because again they hadn't done much they hadn't gone away there was no holidays there was not a lot they could actually spend money on outside household goods. So we found that it was really, really strong. Um, and people were were enjoying life and spending money. And then we fast forward to May 2023. And I think we're finding that the the industry is stalling a bit. And especially, in, you know, I think cafes and restaurants in general, um, and specifically Petoni it's we've got to stay very innovative to continue the momentum that we had Uh, but mate there's no doubt customers are feeling it with all the 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 money monetary pressures that we're all aware of Um, they're definitely starting to tighten the reins a bit what
1: what sort of impact is that happening having on sort of what you do you know with the day-to-day have you had to change some of the things that you're doing
0: I think the biggest thing we've had to change is we have to continually reinvent stuff. Uh, We have to to come up with products that aren't price sensitive. And what I mean by that is if you look at our coffee market, right, which most cafes, 20 to 40% of their business is done in coffee. It's a very competitive um, field. And it's something that everyone's well and truly aware of what the prices are. So... As much as you know, if we worked on our, our standard cost models, uh, a regular coffee, which says four fifty to five bucks, it probably should be seven dollars fifty. But you can't charge that because people just won't pay that on a regular basis. So you sort of have to leave coffee alone. You have to charge a fair price for it. You can we've increased it a bit. I think we everyone has, but you can't touch it too much. So for us, it's about developing products that aren't price sensitive. Things that our competitors don't do, whether it's you know, a style of, of focaccia or a um, soup-related products or styles of take-home foods that people can't compare to uh, another cafe or another take-home product. So we, what we find is that um, as a creative side, we have to continuously evolve, develop, try, which means that you're spending a lot of money trying stuff spending a lot of money marketing stuff. And with some things, only last a week or two. But what it does is it gets the customer's interest and it gets them coming in and coming back. And that's been our – I suppose that's been my focus, is to try to try to focus on that and get people to, to try stuff that they don't normally get. And if we charge, say, $18 for a focaccia – they don't actually question the price because it's something they can't get anywhere else and they don't normally get from us either. So, yeah, so that's been – I suppose that's been the biggest thing. We've been trying to – obviously managing staff hours – um, again, over COVID and after COVID, there was lots of business to be had, so we didn't really knock, you know, we, there was never any challenge of ours, whereas now we're actually looking at stuff and going, you know, do we need eight people on a Saturday? Maybe we only need seven and, you know, what's the crossover period between staff because, you know, by, by cutting down bits and pieces, you're saving 500 600 bucks a day. So on a micro level, um, we're having to manage stuff, a little bit more proactively than we ever have before um, so yeah. So it's, and it's looking at I suppose looking at all our, our little costs that you don't always look at when you know I saw I saw a, a good thing that you know I saw a thing online the other day Neil Perry was had a thing in his restaurant where his chefs he's challenged his chefs don't have two tea towels a day now again in good times I don't think you challenge your chefs on any tea towels now I'm not saying that that Margaret or Neil Perry is doing it tough and far from it but you know what I'm saying when, when times are tough that's when you start looking at those little things and you start saying well how can we save 50 bucks here and 200 bucks there and it becomes a bit more of a micromanaged sort of tool
1: it's, it's an interesting sort of um, period of time. There's been quite a few operators have said to me about this sort of nervousness or stalling just at the moment because of uncertainty. And the last couple of years, it's been quite stressful. There's been a lot of anxiety. How, how, how are you feeling? What sort of impact is it having on you and your thoughts about the, the year to come?
0: Look, I, I don't want to be like, you know, I'm not here to talk doom and gloom and be the bearer of bad news, but I, have a, like, I really feel our industry is, is starting to struggle. I feel like, you know, like you said, we've come out of all this anxious period of COVID and, you know, fortunately, you know, some of us did okay out of that. And I know lots of my friends in the CBD have never really recovered from it and they're still struggling. And, you know, if they're doing 60% or 70% of what they used to do pre-COVID, they're actually happy these days because at least they're sort of covering their bills, sort of. But I think on on my side, (laughs) mate, I feel a little bit like... Things can't keep going the way they're going because there's just there's not enough happening. I feel like I feel like there's there needs to be a sort of a change in a movement um, in our industry. Mate, we are absolutely uh, uh, we're overpopulated when it comes to cafes per the population. Um, and and restaurants and there seems to be in most areas every time there's a every time there's a you know a shop that comes up there's a new idea for a cafe and I feel I actually these days we used to worry me once upon a time now I actually feel sorry for new operators that haven't been in the industry before because I feel to myself mate unless you have got something different you ain't gonna last. And that's not being cocky at all. It's more about you know I sort of understand the the playing field, and unless you're going to deliver a product that no one else has, we're all splitting the same pie.
1: You know? it's, do, you, do you feel like there's a bit of a lag coming out of COVID? Is that is that a part of sort of what we're seeing?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a lag, but I don't know if it's a lag, Anthony, or it's a it's um, people are actually starting to say, "Shit, what am I doing with my money?" You know what? How am I spending my money? I think probably in the last few months at my in my business and Balmain's have we're lucky. Balmain's a pretty affluent area that's got quite a bit of um, you know it's got it's got capacity to spend money in, in cafes and restaurants. But I'm getting people in their thirties who are ordering breakfast now asking me how much something is, and I, I don't think that's ever happened in ever since I've worked in the industry because people that come to my business they sort of know what my price points are. So it's no surprise to them if something costs eighteen or twenty bucks. But I think now they're actually starting to do some budgeting and going, okay, we know that Bintani pricing is about this, but if we're going to come for breakfast, then we don't want to spend more than eighty bucks or more than a hundred dollars. So I feel like people are a bit more aware, and it's it's definitely having an impact on the industry because you'll find that the pie for entertainment in for most couples and families is a certain amount, so they'll budget it. Accordingly, to make sure that it it takes their dollar as far as they can go.
1: You mentioned you don't want to be too too doom and gloom about everything, but what's some of the solutions at the moment that you know the simple cafe operator you know that doesn't have a high average spend, you know, and um, what what is it what can they do at the moment to sort of get through this period?
0: I, I think they've got a really really the the challenge you have, and I think what I found with smaller operators, and as you know. I'm, in the industry in another side. But the challenge you have with the small operators is when things get tough, they start to become very tight and what that then does is it affects their quality. So they'll give you the same pasta or they'll give you the same breakfast dish that they used to at $18 but they'll compromise the quality that goes on the plate, the quantity that goes on the plate. Now, you can't do that. You can't do that unless there's an explanation to it. You can't if I come to your cafe once a week and I have scrambled eggs with avocado and mushrooms and a you know toast and it costs me $22, you can't charge me $22 the next week and give me two-thirds of the quantity. Or give me eggs that are not as fresh and or bread that isn't the same quality as I used to get. So I think the first thing that smaller operators need to do is understand that quality is still king. Right, and people still want still want value for what they're paying for. so if you are cutting back on anything you need to communicate to the, to the customer, it needs to be very clear. look, we've actually we've adjusted the price, we've taken that down two dollars, but what it means is we're giving you eighty percent of the product rather than a hundred percent. So I, I would always if I was a small operator, I would always focus on quality. Don't cut back on your service because th- people still expect the level of service. So if you, are again, everyone understands that the hospitality industry has gone through a bit of a tough time and that they probably don't have the same amount of staff they used to pre-COVID, but you can't have half the staff. Because what that then does is it affects how quickly the product goes out, the the state that the product goes out in, it affects the experience that the customer has. So, what what you'll find is people are starting to lose customers because they're compromising how they serve them. So, don't cut on don't cut down on your don't cut down on your quality with your service. Explain to people like if there's a if there's gonna if there's gonna be a wait. If there's if it's different to how it used to be, customers are really easy going if you let them know what's going on. I found that over the last 19 years that customers don't mind change, but you can't you can't not tell them when something's changed when change is pretty big. You've also got to do stuff that you the guy next door doesn't do. Right? So again, if you go to most cafes where everyone's doing similar stuff, you know, baked eggs. This style of salmon, you've got to do stuff that's a bit different. You've got to come up with stuff whether it's from you know, your heritage or whether it's a health point of view or a, a vegan or a gluten free point, you've got to come up with something that's different. And then people find it very hard to compare you to the next person. So the the challenges are coming up with those few items that are a little bit different. Not cutting back on your quality and the, and the service, like even on our side, we have less staff than we used to, but we're all hustling a bit harder right? because it's just what we have to do. And maybe I didn't work as often in the cafe and now I'm, I'm back a bit more because it's just what we have to do to make sure that we, we keep the, bu- the cafe buzzing and at the end of the day we actually make a profit
1: we've seen over the last couple of years quite a quite a few closures of you know renowned restaurants but 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 sort of this year we've seen quite a few as well like after after covid are, are people looking to get out of the industry are you seeing more businesses for sale and things like that
0: yeah yeah there's definitely more inquiries people looking i think what's happened is again going back to covid there was a bit of a false economy of you know we're actually going okay as a business, we're not doing too bad. The government was giving us some subsidies. Everything was going okay. Then after COVID, money was being spent. Now, all of a sudden, things are back to sort of normal. All the prices have, you know, all our cost of goods have increased. Our wage costs have increased. Energy costs have increased. So our expenses have never been higher. And to be fair, you can't really charge a hell of a lot more for a product. So you can, you can increase your product 10%, 12%, 15%, but you can't increase it 50. You can't serve scrambled eggs for $28 on its own, it just doesn't, you know, people won't pay for it. So I've really found that people have got to this stage and now they're coming into winter when traditionally most food places are a little bit quieter and they're thinking, you know what, I can't actually pay the bills it's it's time to get out and i think we're going to find a lot more of that in the next 12 months and i just feel with the economy the way it is and not only that a lot of people in hospital they've just had enough <laughs> they've they've worked their rings off they 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 copped a, a hard hit over covid and they've got to the stage where they're like is this actually worth it you know, the, the, the wage that I'm taking home, the money I'm not taking home, is it actually worth all the stress?
1: Yeah, there seems to be a real clear sort of line in the sand in regards to that, because there's other people that are like, yep, it's definitely for me, this is the way that I want to move forward and stay in hospitality. You know, and if COVID taught us anything out of adversity, there's always opportunity. You know, what, what, what are they at the moment?
0: The opportunities are are basically. I, I think it's 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 more getting into product categories that, that aren't um, openly being discovered at the moment. I think it's doing things, and I think again, if you look at the growth places, they're doing things that are that are a little bit different. Um, there's too many of us doing the same things, right? There's too many. If you're the you know once upon a time, there was a local Chinese place in the in in your suburb or the local Italian place. Now, the local Chinese place has you know two Vietnamese places to compete with and one Thai place and another place that's a fusion Asian so there's too much competition right so I think what needs to happen is you really need to rise to the top of that and come up with some different stuff because we're all competing for the same slice of the market and you're right the people that see opportunities they're going to do really well the ones that the ones that have been struggling they're the ones that are thinking it's time to actually get out and it's hard right it's hard to get out because with some of them they've invested you know 200,000 Two million dollars in their businesses, so it's very hard to just say to them, "Well, you know what? We're just going to get out tomorrow and realise thirty percent of what we've what we've invested," because that's also not a great um, decision to make.
1: There's, um, there are quite a few um, businesses for sale at the moment, and you not only have the institution uh, batoni, but you sort of delve in that world of um, brokering and things like that. What well, for, for young operators, you know, is, are there real opportunities at the moment to sort of? Pick something up and start their own business for the first time.
0: There is, there's huge opportunities, probably more than ever. I've seen, um, I've seen landlords that are really trying to, um, that are really doing deals um, with people. I've seen there's places that you can pretty much pick up for nothing. Right? used to be um, it used to be you know you'd have to even a, an average business would cost you 150 200 grand. you can literally go into places now for 50 to 80 grand which are ready to trade. Right? You can li- literally put a lick of paint on them. So for a start off between 50 and 100 grand you can go into a, a new premises and potentially paying rent that isn't over the top. So for young people that have got a good concept, again, I would stress the fact that they have to come up with an idea that's different to the guys next. So making a great coffee, when like, Anthony, when we started 19 years ago, made it, you made an average coffee, it was better than most other people, and you did okay. Right? Whereas now, unless you make a great coffee, you actually don't even get a look in, in an area. So just a good barista making a great coffee isn't enough. A good chef who makes a good you know, uh, who makes a good roast, it's not, you've got to come up with what's, what's the thing that makes you different. And I suppose as a young business, what the opportunity is, you can go in with one or two staff, you can specialize in a product, and if you're earning around about what you used to earn or a little bit more when you start, then you're in a good position to potentially do better than that in the next two to three years. And build a little business that you can potentially sell for more money than the eighty grand you paid for the for the business to get into in three or five years' time. You can actually make a little bit of an an nest egg for yourself. There's definitely opportunities there.
1: When we caught up last time, we talked about the sort of the origins of Botoni and it's become an institution in Sydney. And you you sort of branched out to I think it was around eight venues originally, and then peeled it right back. Um, what was important in building sort of to that many venues and to make a success of them?
0: You had to stay real to your concept. I think, you know, one of the most important things was it's very easy to try to catch the next trend, to try to be, you know, to try to have that idea that, you know, people are lining up for that, you know, the famous cheesecake or something. But what's really important is when you when you go into other venues, number one, they've got to feel like the first venue, especially if the concepts are similar. When you're in one venue, the service that you give through your family is hard to replicate. So you've got to find people that are willing to embrace your culture. You've got to find p- people that are willing to, to say, you know what, this is something I want to be involved in. And I want to do what the Batoni boys are doing in their main store. I want to do it in this store. So you've got to give you got to give staff the ownership of it, whether that's through training, through an in- through incentives, through some equity, whatever it may be, you've got to do that. I think that and you've got you've got to be able to deliver the product in a very similar way to the way you do it in your first store that's why people are coming back to you right they're coming to the city store or the Balmoral store because they want to feel a similar thing even if they know the menu might be a bit different because you've got a different style of of place or there's a different setting there you've still got to have those core principles in place and product service consistency, none of that changes. And they're pretty much, they're similar for most businesses, right? They're similar for most businesses in that that's what people expect. That's what your customers expect. And that's where the challenges come. The challenges come because you stop doing that for some reason or you do it differently for some reason.
1: You've had um, plenty of bumps and scratches over the last 19 years for various reasons in the industry. But what's sort of inspiring you at the moment about where we are you know with our food landscape and sort of what's what's lying ahead
0: uh oh, mate what inspires me is the fact that people are so willing to still want to be served There's still customers are still looking for excellent product. Customers are looking for customers' love being served. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, fine dining where they're paying 500 bucks a head and they know exactly what they expect, or it's coming into a place like ours where they might pay 30 bucks a head, but they still get the love and attention, but it's a different style. I think customers, those things are still what we crave, right? I mean, I'm sure you crave that when you go out to your local place. If the pasta can be amazing, but if that extra bit of service and love isn't in it, it doesn't have the same feel to it. So I think people still want that. They still want that style of service. People are still really willing to pay because, again, wherever you're going, generally you sort of know what you're spending. You don't go to the, a fine dining place and expect to spend a hundred bucks a head. You know you're going to spend more, but you want that that special service you want those special dishes the little things that that special that that fancy chef does for you and it's the same in the small places you go for a particular reason you go because the barista makes your coffee really well you go because we know exactly how you like your panini toasted how much cheese you like in it customers are still like that right they're still really they're still really keen for that and that to me, that's what drives me. That's what gives me the passion to still want to back up at four thirty-five a.m. on a m. The morning and open the cafe at five thirty and serve customers because it's bloody—it's not—it's not a normal time to wake up, right, at <laughs> that hour. But you become friends.
1: But Tony is one of those institutions that you have you as a Sydney side, you've got to go to at least once in your life, if not multiple times. But what what what's the secret to its longevity and its continued success?
0: Mate, I think, look, I think it's being able to change. I think you need, you know, as a business, you know, you can be an institution, and thank you for for saying that Bertone is an institution in Sydney, we we really never take that for granted when people say that. You've got to really be open to change. You've got to understand that your staff changes. The way we managed staff 19 years ago is totally different to the way we manage staff now. Like, our staff in our shops, they use their mobiles. Now if you told me that like even seven years ago, I'd say, mate, Puck, you're mad. You know? There's no chance. I'm going to get one of our young punks to be able to – but now we understand that if we give them some leverage and we show them that, we're not going to micromanage them because this generation, they don't want to be micromanaged. right? If we show them that – and again, we're not a fine dining place – but if we show them that we trust them but don't take advantage of us and we won't take advantage of you, then – we find that they love our customers just as much as we love them, <laughs> right? We don't, we, don't, we don't strangle them. And I think it's the same. It's, we've had to change with our menu. Like once upon a time, we only did certain styles of food. We only did. Now we come up with new things that are only around for two or three weeks.
1: Yeah. Is that, is that challenging coming up with those new things? I mean, but you know, so um, entrenched with the heritage of your family and the food of your family. Is it, is it difficult getting that balance? It's very challenging.
0: Yeah, it is. It's very challenging. And I think it's also challenging because we run a, a kitchen that's got, you know, six or seven guys working in it that they aren't very big spaces. So you can't complicate things. You know what I mean? We can't complicate because, you know, maybe f- we're, we're serving maybe 1,500 people in a day. So you can't complicate the fact that. I can't make up a product that's going to make that's going to make the kitchen suffocate, and to make twenty new things that was going to affect the other thousand customers that are coming in. So it's really, it's really important. It is, it is very difficult. But but I think business these days in any industry, and I'm sure you're finding it the same in you know, on your side. It's challenging, and unless you keep changing, you fall behind.
1: You mentioned that you're still getting up at four thirty-five in the morning, and. Uh... Doing getting into patony, um, what what puts a fire in the belly? What do you love about sort of, you know, the whole Batoni model and getting in there every day?
0: I love the I love the energy, mate. I, I love the energy. I love the people that are number one. My staff, the people that we work with, are, are young and enthusiastic, and and they drive us to stay. Young and current. Um, we've also got our, our customers that for some of them have been coming in for 19 years every single day. Every day, every day, unless they're sick or overseas, they come in every day, some of them two or three times a day. We've got customers, and I think I mentioned it in the last the last chat we had, there's customers that'll that'll come in that, you know, are in their eighties, that have been coming in since they were in their sixties, right? And there's and there's guys and there's sometimes we have trades guys that come in for two or three years while they're just doing a job in the area and th- they inspire us because they come in and they're so happy to see us. For some people, we are the best part of their day. Honestly, and we are, and I think that's something that it takes a while to to Sink in it takes a while to actually believe because it's like you know, we're just the coffee, we just they just come here for to get one of their one of our paninis or, or a pasta for lunch. But for some of them, it's actually the best part because they got a lot of shit going down in their own side, whether it's at work, at home, whatever their circumstances are. This is their little escape.
1: Well, um, you mentioned there's this little bit of a stalling at the moment and nervousness. What do you hope, um, for the year ahead?
0: I hope, I, I hope that. People find their feet, uh, especially especially on the economy side. I feel like you know people are really—if they're not struggling, they're worrying about it, and I think that makes people a bit wary and thinking maybe I should be saving my pennies a bit. I feel like, look, mate, it's—and again, we've been around for 19 years, so we've seen this cycle before. But there's definitely a concern for people in their spending habits, right? They're like, hey, mate, they, whether you've got a. mortgage or you've got a $4 million mortgage, it's still a mortgage and it still has to be paid and it still comes with its challenges, right? And I think that's what I think, what what I've realised dealing with people in this environment for so long is they will have the same issues. You know, whether they the kids go to private schools or they go to to, um, public schools, they all want their kids to get a good education. They want to make sure they pay the bills. They want to be good parents. They want to be able to take them for a um, for a pizza once a week, maybe take them to the footy. They still want to be able to spend that money. When that doesn't happen, it puts a bit of pressure on everyone. right? And I think that's – so what I'm hoping for is things settle down a bit. Um, the economy livens up a bit. The government gets inflation under control. And then we can just – be back in our normal framework which is challenging enough as it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> so, I'm not hoping for a lot but
1: <laughs> well as, as always Anthony it's always um, educational and entertaining catching up with you um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll have to catch up again soon
0: thanks Anthony I really appreciate it. thanks again for the chat
1: this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep